Colonel Mike here. Thank you for listening once again. And thank you for all the comments on twomikes.us. That's twomikes.us. Another great podcast coming up. Enjoy. Four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. You're on with two mics, Dr. Michael Scheuer and Colonel Mike, New York Times bestselling author. I'm going to repeat that again. New York Times bestselling author. And the reason I say it today again is we have another great author on with us on the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2024. So we're going to be rolling them out as fast as we can. As long as the producer don't fall down the stairs again, uh, we'll get them as fast as we can. And, uh, we want to uh, we want to welcome first time to the two mics, Danny Katz, who has a terrific book out. Let's see Danny on the screen here. Hi, Danny. Hi, Mike. Oh. Okay, there she is. Once Mike coughs in the in the mic, it just cuts you off. I don't know why. So we just wave to everybody. Hello. Where's your book? You have it in front of you. Put the uh, book up on the screen. Have my new book right here, The Language of Betterarchy. Now, this is going to be great, guys. This is a New Year special. We're going to go against tyranny with this one. So Mike's going to read it in, and then we'll go with Danny. Go ahead, Mike. Well, Danny Katz is the author, as she just noted, uh, of a new book called The Language of Better Betterarchy, A Blueprint for Uniting Against Tyranny, which, of course, is a something that this show is very interested in. Uh, and fr from her publisher... Uh, it, it reads, in the much-anticipated follow-up to her earlier critically acclaimed Word Up, Little Language Hacks for Big Change, Danny Katz focuses her quantum language word wizardry on societal overhaul. Equal parts cultural critique and revolutionary handbook, the, the, the language of betterarchy offers tangible tools to unify the populace evolve our culture for the better with with our every word now if that's not a worthy goal i don't know what is so let's let's hear from uh ms katz because i'm i'm very e eager to do that okay let it roll danny go ahead let's hear it uh let, let's what what do you want me to speak to i'm an aquarian i could speak <laughs> forever on many many things what's the so, question so mike's well, well, I, we don't really have questions. We want to, you to tell us and the audience what the book is about and why you wrote it. Okay, and uh, it sounds great, betterarchy. What does it mean? You know. Okay, so betterarchy is the placeholder that I'm using for the upgraded version of hierarchy. Um, I started writing the book in 2018 um, after examining the cultural landscape where I was noticing um just people being really crappy to one another and this new like post me Too fourth wave feminism that was super punitive and vengeful and and lobbying to kill all men and smash the patriarchy and i was just noticing people around me in my quote-unquote spiritual community um using a lot of dehumanizing um 
divisive languaging. So I started to examine this notion that patriarchy was, you know, the source of all evil and the reason why anything sucky had ever happened. And I was noting the calls to put formerly marginalized groups on top and to call that a quote unquote solution. And from my perspective, I was like, well, if we're putting formerly marginalized groups on top while kicking men to the curb and demonizing and dehumanizing them and treating them horribly, then this isn't really a solution. And so I started to examine the language informing the distortion, which is what I do as a quantum languaging consultant. I'm always honing in on like, what isn't working in culture, you know, in my own life, in my client's life, and where can I pinpoint the distortions in the language that are contributing to the distortions we're seeing out in the world? And so what I came to was that patriarchy is not the issue. The issue is hierarchy. The issue is an organizational structure that alleges that we need there to be losers for there to be winners. And so I started to pinpoint the markers of hierarchical languaging because hierarchy is not a thing, right? It's not like a third dimensional object that is comprised of bricks and mortar. It's a concept. It's an abstraction. Yes. And this abstraction is sustained and fueled through our language because we are using the language of hierarchy all day, every day. We are responsible for sustaining this outdated you know, super disempowering structure. And so I've pinpointed in this book, the 10 markers of hierarchical languaging, um, division, fear, conflict, lack, limitation, fixity, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm cluing people in to the coding in language and ways to clue into when we are speaking frequencies of limitation, frequencies of separation, frequencies of conflict, and how we can upgrade our everyday language such that we are speaking um, a language of empowerment, of equality, of abundance, of peace, and what emerges from that language will necessarily be reflected of those same qualities. You know, it was Tesla and Einstein who told us, if you want to understand the secrets of this realm, start to study frequency. So if we're speaking frequencies of division, of shame, blame, separation, um, anger, violence, then of course, that is exactly the world that we are creating with that language. If we want to live in a different world, then it is on us to change the programming that we're putting into the world. So this book explains how to do that. That's amazing. You know, and you're, what you're doing is you're touching on everything we have today, you know, with the Trump derangement syndrome, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What else is out there? You know, all these uh, social medias where people just slam three words and they think they did the whole job, you know, bam, 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 you know? Exactly. It's like people think like, oh, I'm going to post like, you know, the Ukraine flag or some other like stupid <laughs> mind control that they know nothing about and think that that's activism or that that's changing anything. And this is exactly what the social engineers want us to think because they want us chasing our tails, you know, and, and that's this whole kind of woke movement 
that, you know, the social engineers are clear that it's not going to work. It's more divide and conquer. It's another way to divide, enslave and murder us all. Those who are, you know, pushing this agenda, most of them have no idea, right? So it's also a way for us to foster unity because this engineered division, from my perspective, has reached its outermost limits. Like we're not going to get through this if we continue to, to buy into the divide. So um, another function of this book, The Language of Betterarchy, is to bring us together and to help us to get past this identitarian nonsense, the ad hominems, the insults, you know, the, the, the stereotypes and the bigotry that have been infused into the landscape. Yes, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Like we, you know, we, we used to live in Northern Virginia, right outside the Beltway. And you see people draw. It's just hilarious. You see people driving around with these little stickers on the back, human rights campaign. It's like right. blue and yellow stripes. You've seen them, right? Yes, and I'm yes. like, what do these people have any, how do they have any knowledge of human rights? They send this money to get a sticker. You know, I did a lot of work in Southeast Asia over the years. Mike was in Afghanistan, the Middle East. And we we know what NGOs are. We know real NGOs, fake NGOs, money grabbers, you know. And you hear you, everybody has a bleeding heart. Now, just to give you an idea, like you're talking about the woke stuff. If you look at just nighttime TV, not cable, just regular air over the air TV, nighttime, everybody has a $19 a month commercial, ASPCA for pets, uh, the Israeli thing for the Ukrainians and the Israelis. Uh, it's the Jewish Christian fund or whatever. Then you have uh, this fabulous, famous uh, Indian model actress who's doing the uh, $19 a month for the ACLU mentions everybody in there why it's important for you and they show the brown person the black person the green person the red person no white people you yeah. know everybody every it, it's mo most important your civil liberties well you know you guys are the biggest fakes anyway you know and then it, everybody has a 19 dollar a month club the pets you know f save the animals save the whales save the pets and you say to yourself well man this must be a good money grab what are they taking in every every month what are they taking every year you know and then i looked up a couple of them i won't say the names but they're taking in like $10 million a year at $19 a month. Not a bad deal for a commercial, right? Of course. And how much of that money is going to the actual cause that they claim right. it's going for? And how much is going to the board members and to catering their meetings and to yeah. God knows what else? <laughs> so you're, so what is quant your, your, your studies in quantum? What is your background in education? Um, so I have a master's degree in journalism. Um, okay. I've been a journalist. I mean, obviously, journalism doesn't exist anymore. And I've been, okay. you know, I, I started getting pushed out from cancel culture around 2012. And then I co-wrote Plandemic 2 Indoctrination. And that, like, you know, was like the final nail in my coffin. But because I was working, I mean, you know, as a journalist, like we're working with words on very tight deadlines. So as far as like the 10,000 hours in mastering language, like I was just working with words all day, every day. And around 2007, 2008, I went through a few kind of shamanic initiations. I was doing a lot of plant medicine at the time. I was walking a very mystical path and, um, I went to bed totally healthy one night and I woke up in the morning paralyzed on the left side of my body, unable to lift my arm in wow. ridiculous amounts of pain. I had five compressed discs in my upper cervical spine. And so I spent a month on the couch 
um, you know, just kind of writing it out. And I just kept going to my bookshelf and pulling out different books. And I found this book called Hidden Language Codes by R. Neville Johnson. I'd never seen the book. I have no idea where it came from. And the book is about a man who was shot point blank in the chest and he died for four minutes. And while he was dead, he downloaded these languaging codes. After I read the book, I was able to see the languaging codes and I would be writing on these tight deadlines and the words were trying to invite me in a different conversation. And I was trying to shut them up like, no, 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 I have a deadline. Like, I'm not here to unpack your multidimensional weirdness. And, um, you know, that that happened so consistently that ultimately I surrendered and I'm like, okay, I'm meant to work with language in a different way. And so I was doing that, you know, kind of parallel to journalism. But because I'd clued into the globalist agenda back in 2001, the goal of my career had been to stop it. So it was like kind of in parallel that I was like doing the quantum languaging, also trying to stop what was going on in the world. And at some point I realized like, oh, humanity's chosen the enslavement timeline. I can just focus on these languaging codes and giving the people who are aware and awake and, and like capable of changing the world, giving us all tools to be able to actually do that. It's amazing. You were canceled before it was cool. Mike was canceled before it was cool too. He's really? back in the day. Yeah, he was canceled before it was cool. You know, he, uh, he used to be on CBS and all these big stations as a former CIA analyst. And then uh, one day he said the wrong thing and that was it. They just zipped him out of Georgetown University as an associate professor and all these other things. Because, you know, you just hit the button and you say the wrong word or the wrong country and, you you know, you just tick off somebody. And the next thing you know, bam, 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 here's the pink slips. They come in, you know, by the mile, you know. Exactly. So, uh, what, what was the wrong thing that you said, Mike? Well, Mike, I, was what critical, you? I was critical of our relationship with NATO with Israel, uh, not for any particular reason, except that it obliged us to war, whether we wanted to go or not. And right. I also I also made the mistake of uh, doing a little campaigning and speech making for Ron Paul in 2012. Oh, and, God uh, forbid we defend someone who defends the ideals of this <laughs> nation. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a, you know, it. it, it, it I, I worked. It worked out fine. I've, I've got a comfortable life. I'm ready to retire, but it it did cost probably eighty thousand or more a year, uh, and they just grinned at it and smiled about it and sent me notes saying, "How do you like it now?" So it's a what? So it wasn't enough that they canceled you and fired you. They tried to rub your nose in it. Oh, oh yeah. they do that all the time. Yes. Ugh, gross. You know, what I wanted to say about your, uh, which I think is 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 rather brilliant from what I've heard. The problem we, uh, the one problem I think we have in undoing what you're trying to undo is that we've let it go on so long and people are, some people are not as thoughtful as perhaps they should be, that when you try to correct this uh, problem, you they've already got it lined up that you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a, a Neanderthal, whatever. And it's a hard thing to get around. We, we are in a, a we live in a place now that's quite small, mm-hmm. and uh, but we're near a, a military uh, college. Uh, one of the better known ones, not not one of the major ones, but we we uh, uh, took in a couple of what they they call their their freshmen um, to to give them a day away from the campus. Uh, 
and spend the day at that we take them to breakfast and they could re then they can study or sleep or whatever they want to do and they were women two women and they're very uh it's a very vigorous difficult physical program for women so they they like the idea of having a little isolation from the from their 17 greatest friends uh on sundays but anyway they were taking a course about uh, just what you were speaking about the the horrors of patriarchy and they were so livid with it uh, that, you know, they were outspoken in class and, and certainly with us about the ridiculousness of the idea that everything that's happened on earth is to blame on men and we can never let them have power again and that kind of thing. And this was coming from a man, so it, it, it must have spun their heads a little. But this is a, it's such a huge problem. And I'm very interested, you know, to read this book because uh, just getting our foot in the door and trying to change things is an important step. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we do have a lot of like erroneous thinking and, you know, divisive programming to overcome. So I tackle it from a couple, a couple different angles. Like the first part of the book, it's divided into three parts. And the first part is called the myth of patriarchy. And the whole first part is about dismantling that myth and helping us understand that patriarchy isn't dudes in charge. That's an aspect of it. That's a symptom of it, but it's actually a lens of perception. And it's a way that we've all been indoctrinated to think, to perceive and to make meaning of reality. So in a lot of like the new age spiritual circles, there's this talk of the return of the divine feminine. Yes. And what I make clear in this book is like, that doesn't mean women in charge. It doesn't not mean women in charge. That might be a byproduct. But in terms of patriarchy being a lens of perception, we've been taught to demonize intuition, to demonize emotion, to elevate reason and logic. And so I break down, um, the qualities of masculine and feminine, not in terms of embodied men and women, but in terms of the energetic polarities that create this realm, right? Think of the hermetic principles, think of engineering, physics, machinery, right? You put an extension cord into a, you know, a hole in the wall, the hole is the feminine, the extension cord is the masculine. So I take the time to break down the masculine feminine polarities and to help us understand that demonizing, name calling, um, canceling, all of those are masculine shadows. So the like the last three of the four feminist waves we've had are all using masculine tools. They're all decidedly masculine. So I'm helping people to differentiate between how they're using language, how they're operating in the world, what it means to operate with a balance of the feminine and the masculine, because we need both. We need a balance of both. So part of it is helping us understand when we're, when we're um, doubling down on the masculine, which is already kind of overblown in our culture. And, you know, again, women and men, we're all using both. The other piece of it that I tackle, you know, outside of the book is, um, I teach homeschoolers about propaganda and media manipulation. Um, and I teach, you know, the young people how that they are being completely manipulated by the media and how to see through the tricks that are being used against us. So I feel like when we start to understand and unpack how the media is using tricks and techniques 
to deliberately persuade us, lie to us, manipulate us. Like that's one piece of it. And also understanding like at a granular level, how we've come to this imbalanced culture um, and how we can shift it. And then the last piece is just helping people understand how powerful we are and that authority is not some external entity existing outside of us that has the right to tell us what to do. Authority right. is an inside job. It's our own sovereign agency and and learning to cultivate that and bring that to the fore again so that we're all acting as empowered reality creators instead of victims to a default culture that we have no agency over. Excellent. Excellent. That's exactly correct. And I, I think that's one, one point is you made just then is, is, uh, is key is that they haven't been able to convince, but they've been able to make people afraid. And they're, they're afraid to say you and, you know, you must be uh, misinformed if you think uh, the earth can survive without carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, or you must be misinformed if you think a man can have a baby or, you know, any of these, these things that they, uh, outside of normal, outside of normal. And so far outside normal, but because of the unanimity of, of, uh, whether we call it, uh, the ruling elite, the governing elite, the media, because of the power of that and the willingness of people not to object, not to stand up and say, you know, this is a little crazy and we really shouldn't be doing this to our children in schools, for example, with their, uh, you know, pick a gender, gender, gender. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was just going to say on the issue of homeschooling, some of the smartest young people I have met while, while I was working were, were homeschooled. And then they went on to universities that's, that are universities um, that, that are basically universities that read. In, in all disciplines, history, science, physics, uh, you know, uh, fiction. And they turn out to be very balanced, very decent people. And right now, at least I live in Virginia now, and, and uh, it's a, a, a big place for homeschooling in Southern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's a growing phenomenon. It's absolutely growing phenomenon as more and more parents are cluing in to how dangerous the common core curriculum is and like how much of this kind of Maoist propaganda is moving through the established curriculum. Thank you, Obama. Thank you, Bill Gates. I think the problem with our current education system is it doesn't. And the, and the Bush brothers and the Bush brothers. Let's not leave them out, Danny. Jeb Bush. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many gross entities are part of it. But I mean, those indoctrination camps exist to entrain children what to think, not how to think. And in fact, the way that they are indoctrinating indoctrinating these children is shutting down the critical thinking capabilities. So I think, you know, when I'm teaching the teens that that I've taught in the past, um, I'm always saying, I want you to think whatever you want, like free will rocks. You are entitled to your every thought form. I'm just teaching you how to think. And I'm also teaching you how the system is attacking your thinking mechanisms, you know, and just exactly. explaining, here's how it's all working. Whatever you decide from there 
Godspeed. Um, but it's just explaining how the mechanisms work. And it's it's wonderful to see how quickly a lot of the teens will let go of the woke indoctrination once they see how it works. Like I'm never trying to change their minds. I'm just trying to teach them to think critically. Um, and once they do, they put it down so easily. Yeah, that's fantastic. There is a a native human capacity i think after living in your what your particular civilization to recognize a fraud if you're not afraid to recognize it so i think what you're doing is very very important and very uh, necessary thank you thank you so much hey, hey danny if you want to have a, a a saturday the old saturday night live was real fun but if you want to have an old saturday night live moment tune into our public taxpayer dollar public pbs when uh, I think it's on Friday or Saturday, they run it's called Washington Week. It's an old show, but you know they recycle younger people constantly, and uh, the host will be, you know, some person from, you know, a left wing rag or whatever. But the point is, uh, like now they have a new a new host. They had a couple in the last couple of years, Mike. But this new guy, he belongs to some magazine or whatever. And then all of the people on all of the the debate or the or the conversation are people from. All left of center, uh, either newspapers or magazines. There's nobody with another point of view, another opinion, and they actually talk to themselves in the echo chamber, right? And they'll, and you know, like right now, the hot subject is, uh, gee, Trump may survive all this. Now, what do we do? We tried to kill him in every way we can in the courts and so on. What are we going to do now? And then you'll have somebody from the Atlantic or something, Washington Post, and they. You know, they'll just say, well, at this point, you know, the judges, but you watch this and you watch it closely and it becomes comedy because you know what they're doing and you know what they're trying to push out there. But you have very weak minded people who tune into this. And I'm talking about older people too, older generation uh, boomers that actually believe this stuff. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad they had that on. <laughs> yeah, I mean. A lot of it, and I'm sure you guys know this, but it's mind control, right? And how they've weaponized language and weaponized conversation. So like part of what I do, I just, you know, I'm putting out a new video this week about like, you know, I, I unpack propaganda. I've, uh, one of my sub series is called Spot the Propaganda. And so I'll take clips from popular, you know, news or podcasts and I'll just, I'll just pause on like that one sentence was the mind control that operates to shut down your critical thinking so that the lie that preceded it will be absorbed. Because I feel like, you know, like all of us, it's like, how do we stop this? Like, how do we save, you know, our, our earth ship from going off of this really dangerous cliff, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I'm always trying it from different angles and I feel like it's like a magic trick. Once you know how the magic trick works, it doesn't work on you. So that's something that I have running, as I said, concurrently with the actual tool to help us out of it is here's how your mind is being co-opted and here's why you're swallowing these erroneous ideas that are doing the collective body bad. You know, and it's, you know, I'm just one person doing what I can, but I feel like if we can unpack the mass media manipulation while at the same time improving our conversations and starting to utilize language that allows us to unify and empower ourselves we have a good shot at course correcting and i think it's a great idea for 2024 mike don't you i think it's a, not only a great idea but it's an absolutely indispensable one 
Yeah, we need it this year. This is 2024. And this is a, we don't want to go through another, what was it? What was the last one? 2020? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's, it's, it's, you know what you're going to, you drill down to the point, I guess, in what, in your work, to the point where when you show how people are being manipulated, what, 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 what strikes back, I think, when it works is common sense. And the, the, the idea that, there is any discussion that's commonsensical in this country, at least in the public pages or on the TV or on the radio or wherever, there's very little common sense involved. I uh, agree. Try, yeah. Trying to I, understand it, what interest America has in promoting war with Russian, Russia for the Ukraine. Common sense will tell you that it's not strategic. It's not military. It's not anything uh, acceptable for the American government be, to be permitted to do. Common sense will tell you that. A look at the map will tell you that. But people are afraid to speak up again because they so often use their common sense and they sec accept the, the current of the day as, as truth and proven truth. So you got your cut. You have your work cut out for you, ma'am. <laughs> it's true. It. It's yeah. true. Um... Yeah, and I think another like groupthink is obviously one of one of the obstacles that we're dealing with of people just wanting to go along to get along, even though it's to their detriment. The place where I've I've had a lot of um, success in terms of like my own interpersonal conversations with people who are you know have a very different worldview is going to the dehumanization part, right? And how the larger discourse has become so like gutter level in terms of, you know, Trumpers and MAGA and everyone's a white supremacist. And when I'm confronted with that, like I call it out and I don't call it out from the political perspective. I'm like, why would you speak about your fellow humans in such a dehumanizing way? Do you not think that they love their families? Do you think that they're all evil monsters, right? And just like cutting it and not allowing that to slide by on my watch. Like I, it is a war of words. And, um, you know, I don't buy into everything Jordan Peterson is throwing down, but I, like we cannot cede the linguistic territory. So anytime I am bearing witness to an affront in the linguistic territory, be it the pronoun nonsense or trying to dehumanize label name call, I call it out and I call people into their own humanity, right? Without shaming them and without going into the politics, but just going into the like, you know, you're using a lot of bigoted language about people you haven't met and you're assuming the worst and you're demonizing them and it really hurts my heart. And that snaps them out of it. Well, I'm oh, that's it because I, I think what's happening is that the, the language is designed to make it easier to kill people you don't like. 100%. It's designed to, to uh, you know, all whites are supremacists, all Christians are terrorists. So when the time comes, if you, if you are in the spirit of it, and I think much of the current government is, that they'll kill those people. And many Americans will believe, well, they deserved it. They were white, white Christian terrorists, or they were whatever. It's a, it, there's a, there's a, a, a lethality behind the language when it accumulates enough to, as you said, to make people not consider other people humans. You know, Mike, you just gave me an idea. Danny, I have a great idea. You know, the, we pay taxpayer dollars and uh, our government 
Where's Daddy? I want to see her on the screen. Say hi, I'm Daddy. Here. Okay, here. there you go. Okay, we pay our government uh, taxpayer dollars, and the government uses it for CRT and DEI, uh, and and it's in all of the agencies now: Department of Defense, the military, Pentagon, FBI, CIA, whatever. All the agencies, and I think we should we should say to our congressman at this point: we need to have a little bit of this. Better archery, what do you call it? Better what? Better archy. Better archy. And we want our taxpayers going to that to combat this hate that you guys are pumping. Like, for instance, when the director of the FBI comes out and says the biggest threat to America is white Christians, you got to scratch your head and say, really? What was the latest thing that they did that they're the biggest threat? I didn't see it. Tell me what it is. And that's what he comes out and says, right? So what happens now? Everybody piles on, like you say, everybody piles on and says, oh, yeah, the Christian nationalists, the Christian, white Christians, they're bad people. Well, they went to church on Sunday. What happened? Did anything happen? I don't know. I didn't see it. But you see, is you're right, you're right on with the words. It's amazing. Just tremendous. Thank you. And I love Let's your idea. Tax dollars. Let's get our tax dollars to teach this. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they know how to pump everything else that's trashy and garbagey and, you know, whatever. Dog, Absolutely. Dog, I mean, dog that, race. that's my highest hope. Now, you and I, we all know that the powers that were don't have our best interests in mind, right? So we would be calling their bluff. Like, if you really right. care, how about implementing this system? That being said, I think there are outliers within it, you know, who I'm looking forward to embracing this work and slipping it in, you know, through some of the back channels or through the cracks, because yeah, like this is a technology that could help us come together and turn this ship around very, very quickly and very easily. So I definitely look forward to it being embraced and implemented implemented far and wide. Have you been out well, of book tour yet? Have, um, not yet. My aim is this spring. The spring? Well, please come back and see us. I, I, I'd be, I think the Colonel too would be very interested in hearing the public response to what you have to say. I think it's, uh, it would be a fascinating program. Thank you. If you know of a bookstore in your realm that you think would host me, send it my way. Um, okay. Where are you located? Where are you located, Danny? I'm in New Mexico. And one shocking thing is I've, cause this is my fourth book that I've put out. Um, it's how the bookstores have gone woke. And now the bookstores have gone really partisan in terms of what they're willing to stock. So if anyone listening, you know, knows of any bookstores who are welcoming of actual solutions that will bring humanity together, please let me know so that I can, you know, add that stop to my book tour. I think even non-woke churches, really, because if you can get an audience in a non-woke church, because there's a lot of woke churches too, um, that would be a great idea too. That's something we should we we should explore that, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think that's right. I love that. It's idea. a great. It's a great state. It was really great back in the day. Uh, New Mexico, fantastic state. But again, <clears throat> a lot of left, a lot of woke, and uh, you know the governor. Look what the governor tried to pull off. Of all people, try to pull off a two A in a state which is like two A branded from birth. You know what I mean? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it's such a joke. She's completely out of control. 
Um, well, if you know about your state, you know who she is. She married into the Luhans, and you have the Jaramillos, and you have the Luhans. And these are, you know, and then you have, there's like four or five families, which are like the Kennedy profile of New Mexico. You know that they go back eight generations. Yep. I think uh, the, the Lujans, Jaramillos, Sanchez, there's a, there's about three or four more that I can't name right off the top of my head. But, you know, these are like the New Mexico royalty, you know, uh, the blue bloods of New Mexico, let's say. Right. Yep. And uh, she really went off the charts on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she went off the road. She has not liked her. Even my landlords who are diehard Trump hating liberals, they didn't vote for her. But we're <laughs> under dominion tyranny here. And she certified her own election. So when people on social media are like, you get what you vote for, I always weigh in and I'm like, we did not vote for her. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, um, Danny, have you thought about, uh, you know, urban chapters or rural chapters of um, the American Legion or other veterans organizations. Ooh, I haven't, but I'm writing that down. That's a great idea. Yeah, there there must be for all of them, where it's the American Legion or veterans of foreign wars, whatever it is, there must be a central office where we, you could ask at least if some of their branches would like to hear you. Thank you okay, so I'm much. Okay, I'm going to shout this out, Mike. I'm going to shout this out to our listeners in Texas. It's right next door to our listeners in Arizona. It's right next door. Colorado, mm, I don't know. You know what I mean? Boom, boom. Utah, Montana, it's close. But Texas, you know, right next door or Arizona, uh, just go look at the footnotes and you can contact this lady and get her down there and let her speak for you. Danny, thanks so much for coming on Two Mics. Come back and see us. You're a Thank terrific, you so much for Thank having you. me, Mike. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been our pleasure, man.